With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Volume. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is bringing you, yes, an offer that'll help you win money in the NFL playoffs. New customers, bet five bucks. That's it. Five bucks. That's it. Five dollars. Any game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Are you kidding me? I bet five. That's it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It takes 90 seconds and put in Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Easy. Peasy. New customers, five bucks. That's all you have to bet. And get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on the DraftKings Sportsbook. The code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N. And the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. All right, instant reaction. I think you'll like the pod tonight um, because I think Middlecoff and I dig really deep on the Cowboys, but I thought the uh, Rams-Lions game, I felt it was going to be a very, very close game. I had the Rams winning by, I think, one um, really elevated quarterback play. First of all, Matt Stafford's insane. Puka Nakua for a rookie is insane. I mean, you are watching Matt Stafford is making throws out there that maybe only Mahomes can do. Uh, This is a rebuilding year for Sean McVay and the Rams and Stafford playing with guts, his hands all ripped up. What an athlete that guy is. Um, It's just, you know, the difference in the game was pretty simple. The Lions had three long drives and got touchdowns out of them. And in the second half, it was the Rams having long drives and just getting field goals out of them. And that's the difference in the game. I thought Detroit, um, you know, Rams pretty poor tackling first half. And, you know, the Lions physical up front O-line punishing running backs hard to tackle, kind of pushed the Rams around. They made adjustments at half, which Sean McVay is prone to do. And they slowed Goff down. Goff was just too comfortable in the first half. And when Jared Goff is comfortable, you know, he's just a really, really good quarterback. I've seen Jared Goff, comfortable Jared Goff, outduel Patrick Mahomes on a Monday night football game. He throws a beautiful football. But if you pressure him, he's not the same quarterback. So he didn't face any pressure in the first half. Long 75-yard drive after 75-yard drive, and you're getting you're getting touchdowns. In the second half, they got some pressure on him. He was less effective. Uh, and Stafford put on a clinic. I mean, it was 2-2. It was uh, Puka, uh, Cooper Cup. It didn't matter. Everything worked. It was beautiful to watch. Um I just thought you watched a really good football game. And, and if you go look at this weekend, here's what we, we saw this weekend. C.J. Stroud, elevated quarterback play. Stafford Goff, elevated quarterback play. Mahomes, elevated quarterback play in terrible weather. That's the sport. Tua, disappointing. Flacco, too many picks. Um, I mean, Stafford played like a winning quarterback, but, you know, the Lions got the W at home. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm, you know, the thing about, all these games is the league is different in the postseason, right? It, it's more intense, and players will tell you that every time I talk to a player, it's it's much more intense in the playoffs. Um, but it really does come down regular season and postseason 
Do you trust your coach and do you trust your quarterback? And I thought the Lions-Rams, that is about as good a playoff game as you're going to get. Um, two culture setters as head coach, head coaches, and Stafford and Goff are, especially when they have time, are really, really elite throwers of the football. Uh, I thought that was so much fun to watch, and and I'm very happy. My wife's from Michigan, so I'm very happy for Detroit. Um, I think the the architect of this Lions renaissance is not Dan Campbell, though he's been effective, and it's not Jared Goff, although I like him. I think it's Brad Holmes, the executive upstairs they got from the Rams. I think they've had back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back great drafts. Remember Dan Campbell's first year and a half. Go back and look at the record. <laughs> it wasn't very good. They have done just a remarkable job of fixing that offensive line via the draft, upgrading tight end, wide receiver, pass rushers. Um, Detroit's got this convergence of excellent GM, really strong quarterback play, a culture-setting head coach, and you jam it all together. Listen, um, defensively, they can they can give up some big plays. Uh, they're not great on the back end. But we have a salary cap era, and you're paying Goff some real money, so you're not going to have a perfect roster. You know, you're not going to have the Niners when you're paying Brock Purdy nothing. You can retain all your stars. You know, Detroit's going to pay Jared Goff, and so when you're paying him, and his contract's up after next year, so it's going to get bigger if you retain him. So there's just going to be some limitations to a team when you pay your quarterback a lot. The Rams, they pay Stafford. That defense on the back end? It's okay, right? And so Kansas City, they pay Mahomes. Now the receiving core for the Chiefs, uh, Rice, Travis Kelsey, and a bunch of guys. So um, San Francisco is a really stacked roster in the NFC, but I think uh, the Lions match up pretty well with it. I do. I think the offensive line for Detroit matches up pretty well with everybody. And, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked about this before. Even Mahomes got humiliated in the Super Bowl when he didn't have his tackles. It, when, the, when the Lions are blocking for Jared Goff and they have really uh, twitchy, hard-running, elusive, uh, tackle-breaking running backs, if Laporta's healthy— you know, Detroit's offense could be a Super Bowl-winning offense. Uh, the defense I worry about a little bit, but um, I still don't think they have the greatest ownership in the league. But so much of success in professional sports, so much of it is upstairs. And, you know, we just don't pay attention to general managers. We don't pay attention to scouting departments. But, God, Detroit's done a good job via the draft. They've really done a good job. They... You know, they're not paying a lot of their best players. They're not paying them anything yet. And they're like Pro Bowl level guys, and they're not paying them. So that's upstairs. And I'm excited. I think um, I think if you're the Rams, you have to pat yourself in the back. Um, I mean, you're limping. Puka's banged up. Uh, Kyron Williams is banged up. I don't think Cooper Cup's been healthy most of the year. Aaron Donald's getting triple team. They have to go get an edge rusher in free agency. Got a few holes to fill, but a really good job by the Rams uh, to go on the road, um, a very formidable opponent, and took them to the very edge. And I think this is this feels like a special year for Detroit, and I couldn't be happier for them. Uh, Jared Goff was blamed for everything in Los Angeles, and you know people, and I think everybody in L.A. because Stafford comes out, they win a Super Bowl. It's easy to dump on Jared. Jared's a really effective. He's Matt Ryan with a better arm. He throws a beautiful football. He's a good kid. Uh, he was a number one pick for a reason. And uh, he's a little bit of an underdog now, which is hard to be as a number one pick. I guess Baker Mayfield's a little bit of an underdog as a num former number one pick. Goff has sort of an underdog feel to him. So it's perfect, right? Like, like it's perfect for Detroit. Dan Campbell had a job and, you know, we kind of roll our eyes at Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, Rams got rid of him. And, you know, the Lions history, that's a really powerful force when everybody's got a little chip on their shoulder and doesn't quite feel they're as respected as they deserve to be. Um, hard to root against Detroit. Hard to, hard to root against them. There was a call late in the game. No pass interference. Puka grabbed his jersey. That could have been the difference in the game. You get a first down there, you kick a field goal. I mean, that, that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. That was a missed call. <laughs> but you know what? The Rams had multiple opportunities, and they settled for field goals. They couldn't score in the red zone. So officials don't decide games. Uh, there are infractions called and not called. 
that can affect momentum and opportunities. But the Rams had theirs in the second half, and they just could not get into the end zone. Lions did a good job. It was sort of a bend, didn't break defense in the second half. Uh, they got a, just a good enough pass rush on Matt Stafford to hurry him. And again, Matt put on a clinic. Jesus. I, I, I'm telling you, in a losing effort, I hope it's not lost how good Matt Stafford is. I mean, some of those throws, some of that submarine stuff, <laughs> it's crazy. That guy is freaking remarkably gifted. So Lions move on, Packers move on, Chiefs move on, Texans move on, and I like Philadelphia tomorrow. Let's bring on John Middlecoff. Hi, folks. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports and comedy and concerts and theater, all those events near you. Killer last-minute deals at game time. All-in prices, views from the seat, best price guaranteed, and that's the key. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, which is the thing most people get anxious about. Game time eliminates it. Easy to find tickets for every kind of event in your area. They're obsessed with saving you money and me money on tickets. That's what game time does. It's the place to find last-minute deals. The game time guarantees mean you always get the best price, and if you find tickets in the same section at a certain row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Pretty cool. Download the game time app. Like all apps, it takes 90 seconds. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code Colin, me, C-O-L-I-N, $20 off your first purchase if you do it. Download the game time app. The code is Colin, 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. John Middlecoff, what a circus that was for Dallas. And you know, John... We've talked about this for years and years. I've never bought into Dallas. I always had this rule, the pretty good rule. Romo, Dak, they'd be pretty good. And then there was about a five-week stretch this year that I bought into it. And then they went to Miami. And I'm like, okay, it's the same old shit. And then I just, I said on the air, I, I was reeled in. I got fooled. But if you look in retrospect now, blown out by the Niners, blown out by Buffalo, pounded by Green Bay in the playoffs, lost to Miami and beat Detroit on, you know, a really dubious officiating moment. And in that game, Dak had two picks and 10 completions. 
And so you look at it, and my takeaway is this was just an average team, right? Like the slightly better than average team. Well, to me, I'm with you. I bought into them. Their downfall now, three straight years, is the quarterback who makes a ton of money this year in all pro interceptions. Interceptions. Three years ago against the Niners at home, threw an awful pick and was not good in that game. Last year against the Niners in the playoffs, two interceptions. Today, how many could he have thrown? Five? Yeah. I mean, there were some drops. Obviously, the pick six, which the guy walked into the end zone, was not some freaky play. And then the other thing the Cowboys kind of hung their hat on was physicality, being a tough defense. What the hell was that? So if I tell you the Cowboys defense, going to no-show, and Dak Prescott, I don't care what the final numbers look like. The game was over in the first half when he's yeah. throwing the ball to the other team and getting thoroughly outplayed by a first-year starter. Just a horrendous effort by the defense of Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean, when you when you size up a player and Jordan Love and Dak on the same field, Jordan Love's more talented. He moves better. Oh. He's got more of a whip. He made a sidearm throw late in the game into the end zone to Romeo Dobbs. Dak can't do that. That's just beyond Dak. No. That was a Mahomes-level throw, a Lamar Jackson throw. It reminded me of Lamar. And I'm like, oh, Dak can't do that. Dak, Dak doesn't put a ton of velocity on the ball. He really has to step into it. He was never a natural thrower. I mean, I joked out of college. I thought he was a better version of Tebow. He, was, he had all the intangibles, but he wasn't a beautiful thrower. And when I've used Kirk Cousins as a comp, he's, he's Kirk Cousins with the Jordan brand, is that Kirk's a more accurate thrower. Dak's a better athlete. But we always feel with Kirk, he's holding you back from a Super Bowl. But we somehow feel that Dak is carrying you to one. And I watched today and I'm like, oh, he's easily the second best quarterback on the field. It's not particularly close. Well, the reason guys like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins have to be so elite with their footwork because they can't afford to throw off their back foot. The one reason why Aaron Rodgers always pushed back on some of that, like, let me freelance. He'd get away with it. Brett Favre, the big arm guys, right? You see it with Mahomes and Josh Allen. They're not beholden to the quarterback feet, you know, quote unquote rules that the coaches harp on because of their talent. And you saw today Jordan Love had countless throws off his back foot that hit guys in stride way down the field. Dak Prescott, if the timing's a little off, he's way off. And today, I mean, he was terrible, Colin. I mean, he was, this is three straight years of just absolute no-shows in these playoff games. And I know in the one playoff game he had, that was good was against Tampa Bay, who was clearly god awful and was, you know, headed home, should not have made the playoffs last year. So against the Packers, whose defense has been really bad. I mean, the number one conversation is like Matt LaFleur's got to fire his buddy Joe Barry. And then for them, I know they got the touchdown late in the game, but to only have 10, I mean, they had seven. How does this happen? I, I, I don't understand. Obviously, Mike's the offensive play caller, it's a combination of them both. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, and I want to talk about this because I think McCarthy's in real trouble. I had said, I defended McCarthy most of the season, but I said he has to beat Green Bay. If he can't beat yeah. Green Bay, it's a different conversation. Well, to get absolutely dominated by Green Bay and Jordan Love, now that's a different conversation from losing an overtime game on a bad officiating sure. call. Now, now we have a different conversation. And um, I think he gets replaced. I, I think, and Dan Quinn, by the way, there went his job market outside of Seattle. That was a dubious effort. So, I mean, let's just talk about it. Does Jerry have to, I mean, Jerry's got to pay Dak. He loves Dak. He views Dak as some sort of elite quarterback and is willing to pay him. So let me ask you, how good of a job is it if the starting point is owner loves the quarterback, thinks he should be paid among the top five, Aren't you working uphill from that point forward? I think it's a pretty good job because I think the guys, I mean, immediately, obviously, Belichick and their relationship has been, you know, talked about a lot. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to have to get a call. Those guys have the juice and the power to say, look, we're not doing this. We're not giving this guy $50 million a year. You know, Mike had to lie to get the job. And the other thing that was on full display today, Matt LaFleur has the most important quality you can have in the NFL. He has the ability to develop and make a quarterback into a star, right? I mean, Dak was already pretty good when he got there, right? Dak had had success before Mike McCarthy, and one thing he has done is shit the bed now in three consecutive playoff games. Two of them have been at home. I think it's worse. Like you said, last year they lose the 49ers in a very tight game on the road. You hold your head high. It wasn't a bad loss. They have had two awful losses, though, in 2021 and this one at home, and that to me is unacceptable. I personally thought coming into the game, 
Mike McCarthy to keep his job was going to have to win both home games, right? Because if he won this game, he'd have another home game. You can't be losing at home. If you lose on the road in the NFC Championship game where they hadn't been in 25 years, okay. But now I think all signs point to Belichick. And one thing's pretty clear is Belichick has his offensive coordinator available. We talk a lot about offensive and defensive coaches. Well, the reason to me Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick, obviously Bill's resume speaks for itself, but what makes him truly powerful, Vrabel has Arthur Smith available, who he had a lot of success with. Belichick has Josh McDaniels available, who he has all the success with, and they can allow those guys to coach the offense. So I I think to me, you you could argue Mike Vrabel if the Belichick and Arthur Smith make sense. There was a toughness lacking. But but again, I say if Jerry believes Dak is it. I mean, I think we have to have... How could he believe that now, Colin, after what he just well, witnessed? How could he? Again, <laughs> I have been on this for years. Dak is a good B-plus quarterback. Jerry views him as an A. Um, it's 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 really interesting. It, it, this, this job is fascinating. It's not that Jerry runs a turnstile, but I'd almost rather Jerry be impatient than delusional on quarterback evaluation. Agreed. Like, I'd rather a guy want me to get ratings in my job, I'm fine with a little pressure. What I'm not fine with is unrealistic expectations or forcing me to work with people aren't as good as you think. Dak's just not a top 10 level guy. And Jerry thinks he's a top seven guy. I I understood some of the support before, even though I I never agreed, even the contract they gave him, I didn't view him as a $40 million guy. Right. Uh, But after today, to me, if he stands on that belief, He's entered Al Davis territory. Yes, yes. Right. It, it, to me, if he's able to pivot, which he's proven as a successful businessman over the years. And like you said, they do a pretty good job on personnel. There's a weird loyalty here. To me, he has to pivot off today's experience because he had a firsthand look. Jordan Love signed a two-year, $11 million contract. Right. And he looks like a, a combination. I, I think that's one of the greatest development jobs we've ever seen. Well, you know what? I mean, he looks like a flat-out superstar right yeah. now. Yeah. He looks like Brett Favre meets Aaron Rodgers. Today. Like, listen, the internet loves, I mean, this is what they love. They forget that new information, new opinion. Matt LaFleur was calling out Jordan Love in October press conferences. So was the GM. The the GM and the coach (laughs) were disappointed with him. Have you ever seen an in-season improvement for a quarterback? Not only is Jordan, think about this. He's cheaper than Aaron Rodgers. He's now more athletic than Aaron Rodgers. He throws the ball a lot like Aaron Rodgers. You get no drama like Aaron Rodgers. And generationally, he is completely copacetic with all these receivers and wide and, and tight ends. I mean, right now, Green Bay's young receiver tight end talent is the envy of virtually every team in the league. Like, it's hard to wrap your brain around this based on what we saw in October. Jordan Love is a significant multifaceted upgrade from Aaron Rodgers. Right? That, that's not debatable now. Well, I think that you become a legend in the business of football by making moves like Ted Thompson once made, right? Brett Favre, you're gone. We're going with Aaron. Bill Walsh, we got to pivot to Steve Young. When you pivot off Aaron Rodgers, who had just previously won a couple MVPs, the coach and the GM are behind it. And then by the end of the season, into the playoffs, he looks like this. And as a GM, you have put around the youngest offense in the league and these guys, I mean, Watson didn't even really do anything. Reed, up until the end of the game, hadn't done anything. It was Dobbs making all the plays, and he's really good. Think of the talent they have. We know how well they build offensive lines. I think these guys have immediately entered, like Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson. We have stars running our operation. Because I yeah. think it was it was okay to question it early in the season. Yeah. Not because they made the wrong move getting rid of Aaron. It's like, well, it's really hard to replace that. It was rocky. And by the end of the season... The, the guy's a flat-out superstar, and so's the unit around him. So to me, it's Gudikins and LaFleur. Like, this is why your argument on hiring offensive coaches, when you get the right one, Kyle Shanahan has owned the Cowboys the last two years in the playoffs. Why? Because he has he's comfortable playing against Dan Quinn. Matt LaFleur was also on that staff in Atlanta with Kyle, who was the quarterback coach. You, you saw it today. He wasn't uncomfortable going up against that <laughs> defense and that coordinator. And honestly, embarrassed him worse than Kyle ever did the last two years. So to me, the stinks on Mike McCarthy, the stinks clearly on Dan Quinn, and all the positivity on the other side. It, it's hard if they were stock. They feel like Tesla or something five years ago. I mean, this is a team that you'd have to buy into because they've been so well run. This was always the pushback on Aaron Rodgers. Do you realize how well you have it in Green Bay? How well run this opera? Oh, I, I, I get there's no owner, and then you go to the Jets, and this is the complete shit show. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I said that before with Aaron. He never had a bad offensive line in 15 years in Green Bay. Favre didn't have many. The one thing, New England under Dante Scarnecchia and Green Bay for 15 years do a great job of drafting third, fourth, fifth, sixth round offensive linemen and developing them slowly into really good players. So, I mean, Green Bay is just... It, it, and I think it's something we've hit on. 11 of the 14 coaches in the playoffs are offensive coaches. Now, you can, as a defensive coach, work if you have a star quarterback, Sean McDermott, uh, D'Amico Ryans. You know, it can work that way. But yeah. there is no question when to develop a young quarterback, edge offensive coach, and if you have a disruption at quarterback, you're on a third or a fourth, Stefanski, major advantage offensive coach. So, you know, Mike Tomlin got into the, playoffs, mostly because Joe Burrow got hurt and Cleveland lost three quarterbacks. I think they'll be extinguished very quickly, but I don't think, I don't think any re I mean, I talked to I texted two GMs today. I'm on the phone with during the game texting and they're saying the same thing is Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of credit for Jordan Love. And you know, the other thing today that you noticed on that first drive, when Aaron Jones is running like that downhill and that's you know, Matt LaFleur, when he when he came to Green Bay, it was, I want to develop a run game that McCarthy had not developed, a run game. I, I watched this Green Bay team. I'm not saying they're going to beat a San Francisco or a Rams. They're a lot to defend because yeah, Matt can run it. Jordan can go off script. Nobody's got two to three good corners. They This Green Bay offense, John, creates a lot of matchup issues. Well, one thing I wrote down immediately is the advantage at the running back position in this game was evident early. Yeah. You know, I mean, the gap between Aaron Jones and all the other guys they're running out. I mean, Pollard is a, a gadget player. And there's nothing wrong with that yeah. as long as you have a young Zeke Elliott in his prime, right? And to me, when you have the running game like that and then all the explosive weapons, that's why guys were wide open all day long. The Dallas Cowboys had no clue what to do. But don't you think, you know, you talk a lot about, and everyone does, about Belichick being a historian. Can you imagine breaking the record as the Cowboys coach? I know the Eastern Seaboard, he's comfortable. Atlanta's close to his new house in Jupiter. But Jerry can offer a lot of money. Obviously, Arthur Blank can too, but there's the Cowboy coach, Belichick, little revenge after just getting forced out by Robert, which he was clearly fired, right? I, I think all signs are going to point to Bill, because you're the you're the coach newsbreaker now. A lot of people I know expect Harbaugh to be with the Chargers. That's where a lot of people in the league think he's going to go. So Belichick, people have already been, you know, they said that before the game. Philly too, but now the Cowboys have a chance to have a head start because they could fire McCarthy first thing Monday morning, have Belichick on the horn and get the ball rolling. Here, there is um, certain things create clarity in life. Getting your ass kicked like that at home for sure it allows Jerry to go wow. I can clean house. And it really does. It also, Jerry has to look himself in the mirror and sit down with Steven tonight at the house, at the ranch. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and they have to sit down and go, we, we got to do a clean break here of everybody. Dan, Mike, I don't know what they'll do with Dak. He may defend Dak, but I can see this being actually beneficial to Dallas that Jerry Jones has to sit down. His scouts have to come to him and say, Jerry, we can have Dak, but you can't pay him 45, 50 million. He's already made 20 million a year in endorsements being the Cowboy quarterback. We got to start drafting quarterbacks here. Um, and it also, would it make Jerry, I mean, again, when you're a billionaire, can't relate, obviously, would Jerry acknowledge our way's not working, like my way's not working and give up some control? I think it's easier after today. Like you said, I, 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 maybe they lose in overtime. Maybe you can justify it in your head, run it back, give them one more shot. But get embarrassed like that. Have a game be over at halftime. You know, this was obviously the number one pick in the in the wild card round, right? In terms of brands and television networks, uh, I, I don't see how he survived. I, I don't see how he's not out by the morning. I, 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 to me, it's clearly over. And you have the opportunity, right? Sometimes, like getting the number one draft pick isn't ideal because there's not, if you need a quarterback, if it's not a great quarterback draft, this is an incredible head coaching opportunity with all these guys that have proven to be winners. And, and I do think the Belichick thing, a little bit like, you know, almost a couple decades now with Bill Parcells, would just 
reinvigorate the fan base because they're going to be down and there's yeah. going to be a lot of negativity and it's rightly deserved because the last three years they've been knocked out by Kyle twice and now LaFleur. So how are you beating those guys? And we know your guy's not as good as Sean McVay either. So it's like you, you, you got to deal with those. In the AFC, you got to deal with the quarterbacks. In the NFC, you got to deal with the star offensive coaches all that came from Washington in 2012. Listen to this, John. Coaches that had to move off talented quarterbacks. John Harbaugh Flacco. He moved off him for Lamar. Been pretty beneficial. Andy Reid, Alex Smith was a pro bowler. McVay Goff. Shanahan Garoppolo. We've watched multiple coaches. And these these guys were getting to Super Bowls. I mean, Flacco, six years removed from that, can still sling it. And those coaches took big swings. They moved off popular, playoff-winning, or Super Bowl-appearing quarterbacks. For a Lamar for a Mahomes, for a Stafford, uh, for a Brock Purdy, whoever it is. There is a recent history, go back to Lamar, is when you take that big swing and go, listen, we're just kind of stuck. I may have a slightly deteriorating product or a product with a ceiling. The teams that go for it, I mean, hey, Philadelphia, Carson Wentz, they moved off him. Jalen Hurts. I mean, Wentz that year he got hurt. He was leading in the MVP voting. Many. So, I mean, there's, and I think, by the way, Miami's going to have this discussion. Yeah. You, I think Miami and Dallas have to go, you got to get over Pro Bowls really quickly. Those are bullshit awards that nobody buys into. I, I think a big thing, too, for Jerry is, and this happened to Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll got fired, in my opinion, because they started looking around and going, he has no chance to beat McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Kyle beat him five straight times. McVay swept him this year. It wasn't even the macro. To me, it was the micro. We're getting lapped in our own division. So to me, if you're Jerry, you go, well, I've known Adam Peters for 15 years. I mean, look at his resume. For a non-GM, it's pretty incredible. Won Super Bowls multiple places. Now helped John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan build that thing. I think Washington's going to be well run. Even the owner has proven to be a good NBA owner. Yeah. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles will not hesitate to pull the trigger if they have to pivot, right? So you have an owner that you know has... Doesn't I, I don't exactly know the wealth between Lurie, and, but he has enough money to do whatever he wants as well, right. and he will be aggressive. So to me, that has to inspire Jerry knowing they play tomorrow night, even if they win and then get knocked out next week, like the Eagles have no problem pivoting. So I think when you just look at the short-term view of your division, you go, we got to figure this out. And you also know that Arthur Blank and some of these other big money guys are sniffing around the top coaches. Why not rip the Band-Aid off? We, we already had a lot of question marks with McCarthy sometimes throughout the year. This is an all-timer. You, you just don't survive. They were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. And, and it was truly, it was the right move. I mean, they should have been a heavy favorite coming into this game. And to get beaten down, like, I, I, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but that feels like one of the more glaring games I remember watching in a long time in the playoffs. Hey, listen, <laughs> I wrote it down. Opening drive, run pass effectively, look too easy couple dumb Dallas penalties. Then pick Jair Alexander. Uh Uh-oh, Dallas in trouble. That's first quarter, second quarter stuff. Like that's, it it felt like, oh, we got it. We got big, and Dallas had two or three silly penalties early. You're like one and a punch. Which has always been a problem for them. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's everything changes. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I thought McCarthy was in the clear if he beat Green Bay. Even if he lost 28-27 on bad officiating, it was a Detroit-Dallas ending. Fiasco. When you're not prepared to play on either side, I mean, it's... I'm trying to think of a... of a, But you know what? It had, Brandon, it had Brandon Staley vibes today. I mean, their defense, no clue what was yes. going on. They were talking to CeeDee Lamb early in the game. Like, hey, what what's going on by there? The way, I, it was red flags everywhere. Okay, that's a great point. I wrote that down in my notes, too. Dak CD off. Uh, uh, Kevin Burkhart mentioned that. Greg Olson mentioned that. So there was something really weird about that. And my takeaway was it was CD was frustrated appropriately with Dak's ball placement, which, by the way, was terrible early in this game, threw behind him on a corner route. So I think it was CD had, was frustrated with just basically Dak's ball placement. Well, that's another thing with Dak Prescott. When you look at the two quarterbacks right there, Jordan Love, who actually has been really accurate lately, can't afford to be a little inaccurate because he has such an explosive arm and would now with their wide receivers can make big plays. When you're Dak Prescott in that group of 
you know, I, I would say Cousins has been there for a long time. Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Manning. And you don't have a huge arm. Accuracy is what you have to hang your hat on. You have to be the most accurate guy on the field. So when you become, like, how did Alex Smith resurrect his career? It wasn't throwing bombs. It was having 70% completion percentage. Well, Dak's slinging it around like he's Jameis Winston, balls flying all over the place. You're like, you can't function. Even if their defense had played well today, they would have lost with that type of performance out of the quarterback. And the other thing is you cannot turn the ball over in the biggest games, right? You cannot. Pick sixes kill you. And Dak just now, remember last year at the end of the season, we're going to spend some time in March and May and April and go over all the picks. And what ended up being some of the, his downfall again, throwing the ball to the other team. It happened early in the season in the in the big hyped-up game against the 49ers, turnovers, and it was ultimately their undoing again in this game. And I, I just I can't get over LaFleur, Gudikins, the Packers. What a muscle flex as an organization. They feel like the Miami Heat or something right now. They just <laughs> it's it's incredible how they pivoted. All right. I want to talk 10 minutes. I want to give Miami, Kansas City some discussion on this. Tua has proven in warm weather. With time to throw, he's a highly accurate thrower, but he has also proven that he's not very athletic. He's smaller than you'd like. He has an injury history. And unless the weather conditions are fairly ideal, he's limited. So unlike Dak, he is accurate. His ball placement's excellent. That's not the case with Dak. He is a pretty thrower. He's a little bit of Drew Brees. So I don't think you move off him now, but I think it does limit your extension ideas. So, um, we know Kansas City's better. Most of us thought they'd win. I thought I thought it was a shockingly bad effort by Miami in the second half. Obviously, the Cowboy loss was surprising, but Miami's offensive effort in the second half was really dubious. I mean, they were doing bubble screens late. They didn't want Tua to throw. So that tells you the staff is worried about protecting him. The staff is worried about his physical viability in games like that. What do you do with Tua? You're a former NFL scout. You have sources throughout the league. What do you do with him going forward? I think they're in the worst spot you can be in football because they're almost stuck. But I almost think you have to pivot because this was his fourth year. So all the guys in his draft class, Herbert Burrow, were paid after their third year. right? Because after your fourth year, you get the fifth-year option, which for quarterbacks is essentially a franchise tag. 1.0, and then the real one comes. It's all guaranteed on the cap. So ideally, you want to extend a guy. But there aren't, you know, this isn't the NBA. You don't give out a mid-level exception to a quarterback, right? You either pay him the premium, which is well over $40 million a year and hundreds of millions of dollars, which in what world in the AFC could you pay to a, let's even just say $150 million guaranteed, when the only way to compete in the playoffs is go on the road against Mahomes, who clearly was in a different universe, Lamar Jackson, who plays in frigid conditions, Joe Burrow, who while he doesn't have the big arm, has proven he excels in the cold, Ohio kid, and Josh Allen, who's been kicking your ass, thrives in the cold. Like That's who you have to go through in that conference, in cold conditions. And if Denver ever figures it out, also a cold place. So unless you're the number one seed, which they're not even remotely close to be, like to me... 16 to 7 at halftime. That was not a normal 16 to 7 like in a dome because it was so cold it was going to be hard to score. That score might as well have been 28 to 3. To me the game was over at halftime. They threw one lollipop touchdown. The Tyreek Hill had to come back toward and then ran around three guys. They didn't do anything else. So like listen, he's a solid player and if he plays in a dome or in Miami, but that's yeah. not the AFC because the AFC playoffs is at Buffalo, is at Kansas City. I mean, this is Buffalo is like an avalanche right now. Kansas City, it was the coldest game, one of them in NFL yeah. history. And Patrick Mahomes, do you know what made him so remarkable? I don't even know what his box score was. He just played completely normal. Like they were throwing the That's ball what I the thought. field. He just he just like played a normal Patrick Mahomes game. With Tua, he can't even function in that, which I understand. You've lived in the Northeast. I've lived in the Northeast. It's really cold. And when you're not used to it, it really throws you off. And they say it takes like three months to get acclimated. There's no way you get acclimated in 24 hours. And he physically, when you have a weak arm, like from a scouting perspective, it's very hard to pierce through the wind and the cold slows down the ball. So Mahomes and Allen, the reason these guys can thrive, look at Peyton Manning back in his heyday. He struggled on the road in cold weather conditions. And he's remarkably better a couple years into his career than Tua. So I, I, I couldn't pay him. 
I, I, I couldn't do it. But I, I think we know how this they'll just play it on the fifth-year option. If you extend them, you're basically just acknowledging we'll try to compete to win 10-plus games and then lose in the playoffs because yeah. you're not going to win in the playoffs. Yeah, Ethan Strauss was talking about this on a podcast where he said if if you're somebody that struggles in cold weather, you want to be in the NFC. But in the AFC, sure. it's, I mean, even in your own division, just think about December, January games. Buffalo, New England, New York, Baltimore, <laughs> Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. I mean, it's like, and, and, you know, and then again, Denver and Kansas City. So it's just one of those things where, again, if you played in the SEC, you're hidden for, or the Pac-12, you're, you know, the former and he did, Pac-12. And he thrived. You know, he's, a, he's from Hawaii, went to Alabama, and he's now in Miami. I mean, it's an, he's lived an incredible warm climate life. And Ethan was right. San Francisco, number one seed. What's the game going to be there next year, next week? 62 degrees. Dallas, number two seed. Dome. Detroit, dome. Tampa, warm weather place. Philly is one place where yeah. it get kind of cold, but it's not that cold. I mean, Kansas City, that, that stretch in the Midwest to me, Kansas City, Chicago, it's oh. Green Bay is as cold as it gets. And, and that's, that's why I'd feel pretty good if I was Green Bay. I got another strong-arm quarterback who's going to be able to play in that frigid condition if we ever get home games moving forward. By the way, let's touch on Kansas City. So um, Brett Veach is one of the sharper GMs in the league, Andy Reid. I think there's a functionality and an intelligence from the Hunt family, Veach, Andy, Mahomes. Um, They have a really good scouting department, obviously. You can see with their late-round picks. Is I think they're a great example, like Green Bay. Hey, we got a flaw. We're not good at receiver. Let's just develop it. So Rasheed Rice feels like to me now, he's not a top five one, but he's a number one receiver. Thick, good after the catch, not a high-end one, not not even a CD lamb yet, but he's a low-end one, Travis Kelsey. And then they have a bunch of threes. They don't really have a two. Uh, it's it's Watson. It's it's you know it's guys uh, that you wouldn't trust as a two, but they're threes. So they have a hole. They're just not great at wide receiver. But as I watched them yesterday in their run game, as they pivot to the second stage of their dynasty, they're going to be more run centric and they're going to be more defensive centric, at least for another draft. I think there's three teams right now in the AFC: Buffalo, Baltimore, and Kansas City. They feel like they're a they're a bit above the fray. I'd agree. And and my takeaway is I think Buffalo right now and Baltimore are better, but boy, there is something to be said about have the bag, have the ring. Do you give Kansas City an outside shot to win the AFC, or do you feel like it's just that receiving weakness, they can't play quite from behind? I don't give them an outside shot. I give them a real shot, because the playoffs, is not. it doesn't usually look like Green Bay and Dallas, right? It's usually a pretty ugly game, especially in that conference like we talked about, because the weather is such a factor. It's like a different sport. Like that, that game in Kansas City has nothing in common in what we just witnessed in a controlled environment in Dallas. Nothing. I mean, it's negative five degrees. They know how to win. I mean, they have, you know, comp- uh, championship medal, championship culture. Obviously, they have championship quarterback and coach, the two most important guys in the building. All their defensive guys, the young ones, were part of the team last year. Offensively, Pacheco, Kelsey are, played huge roles last year. So now you just got to integrate the young player who shined last night, and they're used to playing in the weather. So next week in Buffalo, assuming Buffalo wins, which I think we all do, probably be freezing cold. Well, who's not going to be phased by that? You saw Tua walking into the game last night. It looked like he was going to, on an Aspen vacation. Mahomes showed up in a windbreaker, right? I mean, they're just not, Mahomes wasn't wearing sleeves. I know. He, he's, he's lived there for how long now? Six plus years. He's used to it. And he's... You know, uh, uh, mustache is frozen. He and he's been coaching in these games for twenty five years. <laughs> and before that, he was in Green Bay with Favre and Holmgren. Yeah, they're comfortable in that environment. It all gets back to their competitive culture starting in training camp. They're still one of the last teams that practices hard, and that's where it shows. And you listen, we can nitpick, and I know a lot of people do with Sean McDermott, but he's a defensive tough guy. John Harbaugh, defensive tough guy. The one problem for Miami is their head coach is an offensive guy. Now they added Vic Fangio. To me, it was a they had a lot of injuries, but like last night to me was a toughness clinic because everyone in the NFL is tough, right? Just like any Marine going to the Navy SEALs is going to be a tough guy. But there's a reason most guys don't make it. And there's a big difference between the toughest teams and that next tier. And you saw it last night. It wasn't, I didn't even think the game was close. Even 16 to well, seven, I'm like. Miami has no shot to win this game. Yeah, Miami's tackling was really poor. Oh, they look cold. 
it, they they look cold. And I I'll never forget when I got hired in Philly, and it got to like November and December on the sideline pregame. You have so much respect for playing in these games, and that's I'm talking like 20 degrees where you can't feel your hands. It's really cold. Once you get to those level temperatures, remember the Seattle Minnesota game years years ago outside when Cam Chancellor claimed he had frostbite on his foot. Like two weeks later, the, the, the level of m- mental toughness and focus on top of the talent, uh, it, it's really hard to focus. And to me, you just saw the Kansas City like they dropped a couple big plays because their wide receivers maybe the wind yeah. threw them off. They they were open. You know, and Mahomes, the ball wasn't even that far off. That game could have been honestly like 40 to seven. Couldn't yeah. it have been? Yeah, I thought, I mean, I really was. Um, I felt like Dallas has lost today. A lot of it was Jordan Love. And they're just, I'd said it on Friday. I thought um, I took Green Bay to cover. I said, listen, Dallas, nobody has three good corners in the NFL. I just think Green Bay has yeah. too many good people. And so some of that loss was Jordan Love looked like Aaron Rodgers. Not that Miami quit, but I thought it was one of the more discouraging efforts. Like the team was literally protecting Tua. I mean, Mike McCarthy wasn't protecting Dak today. Dak is limited. But I, I thought that was one of those where you fly back. I'm the owner and I'm like, what, what do I have here? Like, it's, do, you, it's, do you agree under no circumstances you can give him that $220 I, I, million I, contract? Yeah, I've always been. I, I'm just, listen, I have a, a, a theory. You know, it doesn't matter what business it is. Um, you can pay big money, but you have to do it infrequently, and you really have to be sure it's right. It's got to be really glue people or stars. Um, and, and I think I don't blame the defensive effort because they were missing six starters, but that offensive effort in the second half, if I'm an owner, I'm like, oh, my coach doesn't trust my quarterback. The hell I ain't going to pay him. I'm writing the checks. There's no way I'm paying him. So I think what you do if you're Miami you don't cut to it. What you do is you let him play out next year and you just you draft another quarterback, maybe first, second, third. I think they have a lot of pieces. I really do. Yeah. I, I think they can score a lot of points. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but I don't think there's a lot of needs. The offensive line needs some attention. They've got receivers, corners. They have edge rushers. They just all got hurt. So I don't feel like, you know, I kind of feel like it's Denver. If they could get the quarterback right, Miami gets a star quarterback. You win a lot of games with those two offensive coaches. Yeah, they have definitely have the infrastructure with the coaches too, because defensively they're def- with Vic Fangio. It's going to get better as they get better players. It, it was on full display these first three games, right? C.J. Stroud was in a different world than Joe Flacco, whose Disney movie came to a crashing halt, and then <laughs> and, and, and obviously Mahomes versus Tua, and then today Love versus Dak. It, it, it really, really matters. You know, and it's why the 49ers can manipulate it a little bit because their roster is so good. Right, it would have been hard for Brock Purdy in that situation on on the road in Kansas City, right? When you don't have a great arm, but what their team is so good. So when your team's a little flawed and your quarterback is not elite, you can get exposed really quick if your team's a little off. And Cowboys, the the Browns. I mean, the Browns have had an incredible season, but that was the Joe Flacco that we have seen the last five or six years. And the moment you get that type effort, you go home. All right. Well, you could join me later for the Lions Detroit, but I don't want to get in the way of your Tito's night. <laughs> I'm going to pour one right now and watch the Lions Rams. I can't even how about, believe- how about How about your guy, Jed Fish, taking the Washington job? Well- You nailed the DuBoer story. We got we got Adam Schefter here. Well, yeah, that one I was told Wednesday that he people think he was the second, third, or fourth choice. He wasn't because Saban almost hired the OC from Washington the previous year. So Saban yeah. had his eye and Greg Byrne had their eye on Kalen DeBoer. He was, they called Sark on that. You know, it was out of respect for Sark, but they knew Sark wasn't coming. Sark, Sark loves Texas. Austin's a better place to live than Tuscaloosa. Sark's got it rolling. The boosters love him. So a perfunctory call, but they, Kalen DeBoer was like their first legitimate guy. So this idea he was second, I was told Wednesday, like they're going after Kalen DeBoer. Jed Fish was interesting. It, Lance Leopold at Kansas was they were really interested apparently had i think a phoner or a zoom and and blew everybody's socks off but um jed fish and lance leopold and then it came down to jed jed now jed will be able to assemble um an offensive unit very quickly and that's a big part of it washington has lost most of their offense transfer portal uh they only you know they've got a decent nil collective but not huge so jed fish can keep them afloat very quickly I mean, I, I would say the offense for Arizona is better 
today than Washington. So he's going to have to rebuild it. But Washington, I think we both agree, is a better job. There's more money in the athletic yeah. department. Yeah, you go into the Big Ten. I mean, there's going to get three or four teams every year in the 12-team playoff. The Big 12 is going to get one. Yes. <laughs> They're going to be a one-bid league. The other thing is, Jed, the guys, he has, you know, he was going to have a top 15 team coming back. Those guys can transfer if they want to go join him. So some of his talent can follow him there. To me, how about Alabama? They tried to get Ryan Grubb last year to be Saban's OC. Now they get Ryan Grubb and Dubois yep. with Saban retiring. So what a what a coup for Alabama. Now, the cultural fit, my theory has often been, where you're from really matters. Yeah. You know, Kirby, Jimbo, Dabo, think the guys that, you know, Nick's from West Virginia, the Northeast guys, obviously the West Coast guys. But there are outliers. As someone in the league told me, winners win. And, and Urban was a good example. He'll win no matter what. And, and Dubor might be that. And his resume would say he's going to win no matter where he's coaching. Yeah, I don't think, I think he'll win. Um, and he's not a great recruiter. And so I think he feels like the South and the brand. Yeah. Washington's hard to recruit to. There's not a lot of players, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, Montana, okay. Alaska. There's not. There's maybe eight high-end Division One players in all those states combined. So I think the feeling is DeBoer is like, this brand sells. The state's got 30 Division One players. The region has 200. And so, and because and, DeBoer- Roster is loaded. Loaded. So I, I think DeBoer looks at this and thinks- it's just an easier place to recruit. And by the way, with the NIL transfer portal, recruiting is now a pain in the butt. It's more difficult yeah. than ever. So Alabama is one of those four or five jobs. Even bad USC and Texas teams usually have players. Oklahoma sure. always has. Ohio State always has players. All right, good stuff. Uh, John, as always, money. <laughs> okay, see you. The Volume. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.